0: Welcome to the Covert Narcissism Podcast. I'm your host, Renee Swanson. How do you handle the guilt? Why do I feel so guilty about all of this? After all that they have done to me, what is wrong with me that I now feel guilty? I hear this so much. In the individual sessions and in the group sessions that we run, we talk about guilt a lot. Guilt is one massive piece of the confusing puzzle when you are dealing with a covert narcissist. If it's your spouse, you feel guilty that you don't want to be around them anymore. Guilty that you're actually having bad thoughts about them. I know I was, and I'm like, what's wrong with me? I don't think this way. Guilty that I couldn't find any good thoughts anymore to say about them. Guilty that you're pulling away, and especially when you're in a love-bombing phase, and you just have nothing left in your tank, you feel guilty that you don't have the capacity to give them any more opportunities. Guilty that you're even considering leaving. What if it's your parents? Some of the people here are dealing with covert narcissistic parents. You're guilty that you don't want a relationship with them. This is your mom or your dad, and you want nothing to do with them. So you feel guilty. You're guilty that you go no contact, and you cut them. actually cut them out of your life. Talk about guilt. I can't even imagine that level of guilt. Guilty that you don't wish them a happy birthday or that you don't let them talk with your grandchildren, their grandchildren. But what do you do? What do you do about all of this guilt? Because you have no choice but to protect yourself. Removing toxic people from your life is painful. And it's not the option that we want. But sometimes it's the only choice we have. It can leave you haunted by guilt. I'm Renee Swanson, your host of the Covert Narcissism Podcast, and thank you so much for joining me today, and I want to thank you out there for being such a faithful audience here. You guys are amazing, and I love hearing from you, so thank you for being on this journey with me. Now, let's talk about guilt. Let's start with one part of the guilt is all of a sudden we're in a bad marriage, We're the ones that said, I do, and we're the ones having these bad thoughts about this spouse in our life. How many of us said those words, I do, in front of family and friends, committing ourselves to this partner publicly, only to later find ourselves facing a potential divorce, and we never saw it coming. I know I sure didn't. We didn't plan for this. When I said, I do, I meant that for the rest of my life, and it's certainly not how things turned out. Marriage is a commitment. It's often public and sacred to love and to cherish each other forever. And it's often a religious ceremony. It's held in front of those that we hold dear in our lives, people who we love and whose opinions we value. So when the marriage goes bad, we often feel guilty for not fulfilling our end of the deal, for not fulfilling our promise. We may even feel like we're letting all these people down. A few months before I filed for divorce, I was at a funeral. Uh, The funeral was for my uncle, and most of my cousins were there. A lot of my cousins were there, but they did not know that my marriage was struggling so badly. And I decided that it was time to tell them. Now, my family, if if you've listened to my podcast, you probably have figured this out by now. My family is deeply embedded in the church. Grandparents, aunts, uncles, cousins, all strongly religious and committed to the church. It's a big extended family and none of them have ever been divorced. These are long-term marriages still going strong. And here I am about to divorce. So I told some of them about the struggles that are going on in my marriage and I told them that divorce was coming. And I said to them, I really am sorry. Well, they seemed genuinely surprised at my apology, but this felt right to me. They even asked me, well, why are you apologizing to us? And I said, look at the track record of our family. Divorce is not a thing for us, but I'm bringing it in, and I'm sorry. In my heart, I felt like I was letting them down. However, my family wrapped their arms around me, and they supported me. In fact, they told me, we should be the ones apologizing to you for not realizing what you and your boys were going through. So I I was so grateful, of course, for the support of my family, and it definitely helped to handle this feeling of guilt that was at least directed in this way. Some of the guilt that we experience comes from outside factors such as this, but now let's dive a little deeper. Most of the guilt comes from within. I want to take a minute and talk about self-reflection. Self-reflection is an amazing thing, and I truly value it in my life. It's so vitally necessary for personal growth. In fact, without it, a person is destined to stay stuck in a pattern of repeated behaviors hoping for a different outcome. Have you ever heard the actual definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results? This is what happens when you don't have self-reflection. Because, you know, without self-reflection, we repeat the same behaviors over and over and we expect different results. Clearly, we expect maybe the other person to change or we expect that it will be different now so without self reflection we're actually become unconscious of our own behaviors and we just simply react to those around us we then find it very easy to blame everyone else for the things that we are doing feeling or thinking so self reflection is a good thing that's my argument here is that it's good it helps us to make positive life changes but like so many other things in life too much of a good thing can become a problem and this is true with self-reflection obsessive self-reflection turns into self-judgment there is a huge difference between self-reflection and self-judgment you see self-reflection is the ability to observe yourself neutrally to look at your own thoughts feelings and actions but doing it without judging. It's looking from a little bit of a distance, a little bit of a cushion, giving yourself space to be human and looking at your own actions with, you know, curiosity. What could I have done better? But without judgment. Self-judgment is now attaching blame and guilt to these observations. It's looking at your own thoughts, feelings, and actions with contempt, with disdain for not being good enough, smart enough, perfect enough and so on. This difference plays a massive role for victims of covert narcissistic abuse. We start the relationship by being self-reflective. In fact, like I said, we value this about ourselves. I know I did. I was 26 when I got married, and I had learned so much about myself at this point in life. I was extremely happy with my self-growth, with the path that I was on, and self-reflection was a huge part of this path. When problems arose in our early marriage, I was quick to self-reflect. That's what we're supposed to do, right? Like, you know, what could I've done better? What could I've done differently? Could I have talked more gently? Well, sure. Could I have been more clear with my words? Well, probably. Could I have been more sensitive to his feelings? Absolutely. There's always room for improvement. And so all of this self-reflecting felt healthy and beneficial. I'm improving me. And of course, the answer to can I improve? It's always yes. I can talk more gently or be more clear with my words. I, you know, can always find some way that I could have communicated better. So I made adjustments, each time firmly believing that I was self-improving and thus benefiting our marriage. Now, fast forward a few years. I'm still self-reflecting. I've been making changes in me along the way. But our marriage? Our marriage is having significant communication, breakdowns. I feel like I can't say the right thing ever. I can't ever find the right way to say something or the right way to do something. The goalpost just kept moving. I keep self-reflecting, then it moves again, then I self-reflect, make changes, it moves again. Wow, what an exhausting cycle, but I had no idea. I'm now trying with all of my heart to be better, more clear, kinder, more perfect. Self-reflection is ramping up. Are there other things I could have tried? Maybe that one. Let's try this one. Here's another piece over here. What else could I have done? This self-reflection turns obsessive. An obsessive self-reflection becomes self-judgment. I can't believe that I still can't get that right. Ooh, now I'm judging myself. What is wrong with me that I didn't anticipate that problem? I should know better by now. Ooh, another sting of self-judgment. I should have seen that coming. I should have known that he would have been upset over that simple thing. Why could I not have stopped that? We have turned the corner and it's become self-judgment. Now I should be upset with him for his overreaction to a small thing. Okay, we talk about the thousand bee stings and I should, instead of judging myself so harshly, I should be upset with him for overreacting to such a small thing. And maybe I am. Okay, there's a piece that was there for sure. But that was not my focus. My anger gets turned inward. I'm mad that I didn't see it coming soon enough and get it stopped. I'm mad that I didn't change my actions faster. I'm mad that I managed to step in this muck all over again. I should know better by now. So I add yet one more thing to my exhaustive list of things that I need to anticipate, prevent, take care of, and so on. If there is even one more thing that I can change about me, my thoughts, my words, my actions, then shouldn't I do it? That's self-reflection, right? I should make that change, right? I should give it my all, right? If I don't, guilt starts creeping in. Can't I make one more change? Sure. But at some point, we run out of steam. At some point, you run out of patience and determination. At some point, you run out of energy, and you just can't anymore. And so now the guilt takes over. Guilty that I wasn't good enough. My mother-in-law once said to me, Renee, you are the healthier one in this marriage, so it's all on you to fix this. Wow. That was a loaded statement. Talk about dumping everything on my shoulders. And I tried. I tried to live up to this. I gave it everything I had. But why is this all my responsibility? Who died and made me God that I had to do it all? It almost made me not want to be the healthier one. Can I just step out of that role? I don't want it anymore. Why can't he do it? But the guilt just keeps piling up. What if that one more attempt, that one more thing, what if that would be the right one? What if that would be the magical answer I'm looking for? What if I fall short in my attempts by just one? What if he's about to change? As if all that guilt isn't enough, we can add even more here. Guilt for not seeing it sooner. Guilt for not leaving sooner. Guilt for maybe getting married in the first place. Guilt for the effect that it's had on your kids. Guilt for the pain that they are suffering. And the covert narcissist will absolutely pile onto all this guilt as well. Making it very clear that everything is your fault. Giving you all the responsibility and all the blame. Here's an example. It seems so simple because all of these examples seem petty and trivial. They might say, hey, pick an activity for us to do this weekend. And you might be thinking, I'm always the one that's picking. I'm kind of tired of picking. It sure would be nice if, you know, he or she would pick sometimes. And so you might say, you know, trying to get there gently because we work so hard to talk gently to them. Well, what would you like to do? But they answer, you know, well, it doesn't matter to me. Pick whatever you want. I just want to be with you. Instant guilt. Oh, shouldn't I be happy? But I'm not. My heart is screaming at me. But shouldn't I be happy? They're letting me pick all the activities. I should be grateful here. What's wrong with me? Guilt, guilt, guilt. So you pick an activity. And then what happens? Well, they say, you want to do that? Really? Oh. This, after years of this going on, I'm not talking about a single one-off here. I'm talking about years of this. Instant defense. What's wrong with that activity? I enjoy doing this. You told me to pick. Now you are defending your choice that they pushed onto you to make it all your choice in the first place. And when the blow-up happens, you carry the guilt. I should have picked something better. Then this never would have happened. I said that line so many times in my head. This never would have happened. If I hadn't talked about that topic, if I hadn't made that comment, if I hadn't picked this TV show, if I hadn't cooked that meal, if I hadn't been 5 minutes late, on and on that list went. It's all on me. If none of if I had never done this, 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 then this would never would have happened. So you live trapped in all this guilt for years and decades. It's a massive part of the fog, fear, obligation, and guilt, that keeps you trapped in these relationships. You start to gain some clarity. Somehow something happens. and Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. Maybe someone said something one day, or you read an article, or, you know, you listened to a podcast. The fog begins to lift. You gain some understanding of the situation and you stop playing their games. You pull away some. Protective mode kicks in. Self-survival. What do they do? Here comes their guilt manipulation full on. You don't spend any time with me anymore. I miss you. You're pulling away. Don't you still love me? And if you aren't careful, you will find yourself hooked right back in. They are so good at pulling on your heart chains. They can tell when you are disengaging. They don't like it and they start love bombing. They charm you and they guilt you. Then they switch and they become the good guy. The one you've always asked them to be. The one you always wanted all this time. They start being nice and thoughtful. They promise to change and even show some signs of change. They put on their best behavior. They may even show remorse and promise to go to therapy or get some help. They tell you how wonderful they're going to behave now and this is all going to be great. Why now? When you have no hope or trust left, all your energy is spent, but you feel guilty for making plans to leave. Shouldn't I try one more time? How can I leave when they're being good? What if they mean it this time? I know this guilt all the many complicated levels of it. I know how much it hurts, and I know how deep it runs. I'm the world's best at feeling guilty. I'm going to tell you, I learned it as a kid, and I know how to do it among the best of all of us. But we are carrying far more guilt than we deserve. So what did I do? I made a guilt list. I made a list of all the things that I felt guilty for. Things such as, you know, I feel guilty for not being able to fix this. For not being able to make things right. I feel guilty for raising my boys in a toxic environment. I feel guilty for not showing my boys that feelings are good and helpful and should be listened to. I feel guilty for not seeing this sooner. I feel guilty for not giving him one more chance. I'm going to tell you one I even added on here. I felt guilty that he gamed for hours. Every day, every evening, every weekend. I actually said it to a friend of mine one time. I said, you know, I know it's my fault that he games all the time. She said, wait, do you hear yourself? I kind of stopped and went, what do you mean? She said, how in the world is it possibly your fault that he is gaming? And I said, well, I'm sure that I'm not fussing at him enough to get off of this. She just wanted to smack her head on the wall and go, you got to listen to what you're saying. It is not your fault that this full-grown man, the father of two, is spending all of his time gaming. I'm telling you, I know how to feel guilty. So after I made my list, I went back through it again. And this time I crossed off all the things that were not mine to own. For example, his gaming. I drew a big line through that one. I crossed it out and I wrote on the side, that's on him. As I crossed some of this off, my list became more manageable. Do I have things on here to own? Yes, I do. But not all of them. Instead of 20, I might get it down to 12 or I might get it down to 10. And I can work with that. I can take the things that are mine to own and I can start this process of forgiving myself. I'm not perfect. I only know what I know and I only don't know what I don't know. So it's all okay. I can forgive myself for, you know, for, for not seeing it sooner. I didn't know. Some of them I even had to subdivide because I felt guilty for raising my boys in this toxic environment. Yes, I chose to raise kids with this man. I have to own that. But that the environment was abusive? No, that's not on me. So the line that said, you know, I feel guilty for raising my boys in a toxic environment, I split it into two. I feel guilty for, you know, choosing him to be the father of my kids. And the second part is I feel guilty for that my kids were raised in a toxic environment. Okay, I can own that I chose this man to raise kids with, but I did not choose an abusive environment. That's not on me. Cross that off. Forgive yourself for choosing this person to raise kids with. You didn't know what you didn't know. You didn't choose abuse. You chose a person. You believed in them. You trusted them. Nothing wrong with that. It's okay to forgive yourself for this. One more thing I did was I then wrote on a piece of paper all of the things that I had crossed off on my list, the things that were not my fault. I took that piece of paper and I taped it the tire of my car and then i went for a drive this stuff was not mine to carry anymore find a creative way to destroy that list of yours share it with me i'd love to hear what you do no more self-judgment you have been judged enough give yourself grace and get on the path of self-forgiving i wish you so much peace on your journey of healing You have been listening to the Covert Narcissism Podcast with your host, Renee Swanson. Be sure to check out our website at www.covertnarcissism.com. There you will find many resources just for you to help you on this journey. You can also reach out to me by email at renee, R-E-N-E-E, at cnglifecoaching.com. Those letters are CNG, as in Covert Narcissism Group. I do look forward to hearing from you. I wish you so much peace on your journey of healing.